0: This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. America, here comes the relief from the pain, unapologetically. This is Lock and Load with Bill Frady.
1: Good afternoon, this is Lock and Load, and this portion of the show is brought to you by Aero Precision. Dot com. Now, recently in Florida, Marion County, Florida Sheriff Billy Woods announced on Friday that his office arrested two juveniles in connection with the murders of three teenagers in the county. But what that that didn't seem to be nearly as newsworthy as his comments about gun control, or at least to NBC News. And um, they portrayed his remarks as a wild rant against gun control, even though it's pretty clear that his remarks were more... More about putting the blame where it belongs, not on an inanimate object illegally possessed by the murder suspects, but on the trigger pullers. And here's how NBC News reported what Woods had to say. A Florida sheriff went on a rant against gun control Friday while announcing the arrest of two juveniles in connection with a string of shootings that killed three teenagers. Marion County Sheriff Billy Woods said during a news conference two minors had been arrested on first-degree murder charges. A third minor remains at large. NBC News does not usually name minors charged with a crime, even those charged as adults. There are individuals out there viewing who want to blame the only, the one thing that has no ability or the capacity to commit the crime itself, and that's the gun. These individuals committed the crime, he told reporters. And all the gun laws we got in place didn't prevent it, did it? Neither will any new ones, because here's the fact. The bad guy is going to get a gun no matter what law you put in place. Coverage from NBC News makes it sound like Woods used this arrest as an excuse to go on a tirade against gun control, which is not the case. And, uh, you know, if you watch the entire press conference to see for yourself, he started out by thanking law enforcement and the community at large for helping to identify and locate the, the suspects, including the local news media. And he then appeared to get a little choked up as he talked his emotions being all over the place, expressing pride in his department for their work in solving the homicides before turning to the suspects and victims. And in this case, Wood says that both the teen victims and the juvenile suspects knew each other and had participated in burglaries and robberies together in the past. So they were homies. Basically simple terms, there is no honor among thieves and at some point these three individuals turned on our three victims and murdered them. Two of them right there, they fled the scene, but left a lot of evidence in their wake. Woods said that he was he and his deputies were as shocked and saddened by the violence as the other victims or the other residents of Mary County. Not only because the victims were juveniles, but because their alleged killers are as well. And only when they were discussing this problem of juvenile crime and crime in general did the sheriff bring up gun control. And only as a part of a larger point about existing flaws in the criminal justice system. And here's a much longer excerpt of what he had to say, including what NBC News left out of its reporting. And, see, they leave this out of reporting to change the context. They're trying to shape the context to get you to believe a different thing. He said, what is the problem? I'm going to go ahead and address the first thing that I know is going to come up because there are individuals out there viewing, and that includes some of you in the media who want to blame the one thing that has no ability or capacity to commit the crime itself, and that's the gun. These individuals committed the crime. And what's the solution? I I wish I could give you a better answer because this whole world would be a whole lot better. But the fact is society fails us. We do not hold juveniles accountable. We minimize their actions. Let me tell you why I say this. Last night I had to stare into the eyes of two mothers and it's not their fault. Because what I saw last night was two mothers who were willing to give their sons everything, do everything for them, and give them their own lives. Just like you and I, no matter how much we teach them, because I am a father and I cannot fathom what they were going through, these mothers and mothers across the nation need all of your help. And because, here's what infuriates me, I've got a particular media with putting uh, photos of uh, juveniles out. Now, we do what the law says we can do, but You know, put those photos out, I put myself in the shoes of those mothers because I heard one of them say, I wish I would have known what this one was doing and who they were were because my kid never would have hung out with them. And to think, to believe, to minimize any action that is criminal of a juvenile is a disservice and frankly stupid to think. We need to hold them accountable and then hope that we can change them. So the sheriff wasn't on a rant. He was, he was speaking from the heart. He was pleading to improve a broken juvenile justice system that's far too often failing to rehabilitate young offenders. And in fact, though, NBC News lumps all of his gun control comments into one rant. His statements about the bad guy getting a gun came in response to a reporter's question after he finished his prepared remarks. And this, this sheriff is spot on. I mean, this is where you put the blame. You put it on the people who decided to pull the trigger. And if you only went by the NBC News report, you'd have no idea that rather than an unhinged rant about gun control, that he was speaking with the heart, with the victim's families in mind, when he said it's no solution to this type of violence. And even offered up more substantive steps that can and should be taken instead. And I know that the anti-gun media is desperate to portray Second Amendment supporters as uncaring villains who love guns more than kids. So maybe I shouldn't be shocked at such a shameless attempt to craft a narrative at the expense of the facts. But when you see such flagrant bias on display, it's still got to be called out. See, this guy's going out there and he's looking at the entirety of the damage. You've got mothers who lost sons and you've got mothers who basically are going to lose sons because they're going to be in the... uh in the uh, penitentiary system. You've got mothers that will not get a chance to try to see their, their, their sons change their life. And you've got uh, other mothers who are hoping against hope that they don't get lost in, sh- in this shuffle in the system. And and that's that is a tragedy. It's a tragedy all the way around. We're talking about Marion County, Florida. I I don't know what towns are in Marion County, Florida. I I confess that I don't know what's in Marion County, besides this sheriff who just speaks from the heart. But what I do know is that you know this is this is something we see spreading, and this has a lot to do with education today. This has a lot to do with the internet today and social media today. There's a lot of so many moving parts, and we sit here. And we get out there and we're looking for looking for an answer, and some of these answers are hard to find. Some of these answers just aren't going to be apparent, and uh, that, that's where the real frustration starts to come in. And you know, there for the grace of God, go I. You know, I, I, my my sons, I, I was my sons had both parents, and it was it was something that uh, you know we managed to hang on to and and, and raise them and get them to adulthood. Uh, they're not breaking laws or anything there's a few things we wish they'd do different but i mean they're alive and they're kicking and they're healthy and that's all we that's all we can hope for that's all we can hope for but they are two individuals that sometimes we both both i and their mother we scratch on our head going hey i don't know i, I didn't teach them this stuff <laughs> but they're alive and we get to do it and we don't have to sit back and lament the fact of uh I wish I'd had another chance to to make a difference. And there's the tragedy in it all. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. experts say that China is hoarding a massive amount of food. They will soon have over two-thirds of the globe's corn reserves, over half of its rice, and over half of its wheat. But when asked about it, China lies. One China expert says they, of course, will never admit to something like that. Well, what does China know that we don't? When it comes to global food shortages, China is the canary in the coal mine. You see... China is the world's number one food importer. They rely on the rest of the world to keep their people fed. So they can't afford to mess-ups, or there will be riots, civil panic, or even worse, when over a billion people can't eat. What does that mean for Americans like you and me? Two words. Food shortages. That's why it's a smart idea to stock up on a kit of the best-selling Four Patriots Survival Food. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriots Survival Food Kits. The kits are compact and stack easily. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. And their five-star reviews on the website rave about the flavor and taste. Right now, you can get 10% off your purchase of 4Patriot Survival Food by typing in the code LOCKLOAD at checkout. Just go to 4Patriots.com, use the code LOCKLOAD to get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriot Survival Food. That's 4Patriots.com, use code LOCKLOAD. <laughs> Welcome back. This is Lock and Load. This portion of the show is brought to you by Aero
0: Precision.
1: I don't think we're ever going to see a total end to the gun control push. And we see some efforts to advance it that are doomed and others seem to be sure things. And as it is with so many things, it depends on where you're trying and what you're trying. An effort that's a sure thing in California is not going to fly in Missouri, for example. In Nevada, Democrats are trying to push gun control. It's not a sure thing at all. In the process, they showed that there's nothing they won't stoop to in order to try and advance their effort. So, they've got a trio of bills going on around right now that they're rallying around that amplify calls for gun regulation while recalling the 2017 Las Vegas mass shooting that became the deadliest in U.S. history. Now, this was a different kind of rampage killing. You had a killer who used a bump bump stock in an elevated position, to gun down 60 people, making it the most deadly mass shooting in history, not counting government atrocities. But you might assume, then, that the laws that they're proposing would relate to Las Vegas. Now, here we are more than five years past this event at a country music concert, and the recent rise in rampage killings across the U.S. was repeatedly cited in debates over a bill to solidify language meant to ban ban homemade ghost guns, and raise the eligible age to possess semi-automatic shotguns and, as they say, assault weapons from 18 to 21. Another bill would bar possession of a gun within 100 yards of an election site entrance with narrow exceptions. A third bill would prohibit owning a firearm within a decade of a gross misdemeanor or felony hate crime conviction. Con- uh, excuse me, conviction. Now, of course... Stephen Paddock, he used uh, traditional mass-produced weapons. He was well above the age of 21 when he bought them. He wasn't anywhere near an election site, nor had he been convicted of anything at that particular point. So none of these have anything to do with Las Vegas. They are doing what gun controllers do, which is piling the bodies up and tap dancing on their backs. Now, Nevada has a Democrat-controlled legislature, but a Republican governor. This should mean that the effort is ultimately doomed, right? But it would expect that Governor Joe Lombarder was the sheriff that dealt with Las Vegas. So possibly because of that experience, he's actually backed other gun control proposals, such as universal background checks. And while these measures are becoming law, far from a sure thing, it's not a sure thing that they'll be vetoed either. For the people of Nevada, this is not a great position to be in. And none of these... None of these measures at all will stop a future mass shooting from happening. Would be killers and, and that's, the, that's the that's the primary word not necessarily shooters but would be killers. They have no no uh no problems finding ways to kill people. Even if you could keep them from getting guns entirely, which you can't, they can kill with other weapons. But I'm still disgusted with Democrats trying to pretend this had anything to do with Las Vegas when we know damn good and well it doesn't. And I'm not surprised by this. I've I've seen it so often as to, you know, I'm not going to be shocked from it. But I hope none of these become law, but I'm not holding my breath. But let's talk about something that was so much worse than this. Well, it, it, it was worse than any school attack that we've had Um. And I'm talking Columbine, Sandy Hook, Parkland. Those things will never be forgotten. And they highlighted the absolute worst in what we are as a nation. And they shouldn't be forgotten. And even gave us questions on where our society has gone wrong and what role our modern culture of music, movies, video games, and guns played in allowing these horrific events to unfold. But, The deadliest school massacre in U.S. history has largely been eliminated from the conversation. And I'm talking about the Bath School Massacre, and it rarely, if ever, is even mentioned by the media alongside those other mass killings. And the reason is that it sadly didn't fit the modern narrative. It left 44 people dead, including 38 children. No video games to blame. Suggesting uh, movies had an influence would be a stretch because this this took place on may eighteenth nineteen twenty seven and unlike other rampage killings that have taken place largely in the suburbs, this one took place in a small Michigan town of Bath Township located about a hundred miles northwest of Detroit more noteworthy is the fact that the killer. Farmer and school board treasurer Andrew Kehoe didn't sh- shoot the school up. He used surplus dynamite and other explosives from the First World War and blew up the school with the children inside. See, as both the farmer and the school board's treasurer, Kehoe had been unhappy that all of the region's students were moved to a new school. It improved the education the students would receive, but it also resulted in higher taxes and Kehoe was openly against the decision and accused the school superintendent of physical mismanagement. And, you know, unlike what you would think to be the uh, stereotypical quiet loner, he was married and had a reputation of being hot-tempered as well as frugal. But he was also a trained electrician, and he faced several setbacks in the months leading up to the massacre wife was ill with tuberculosis. He was defeated in an effort to run for township clerk, and then he faced foreclosure on his farm after filing behind all the mortgage payments. And those who saw him saw a changed man, one who was in a dark mood. Many believed he had been contemplating suicide, they just didn't know he didn't plan to go alone. So on may eighteenth he murdered his wife, killed his two horses, and blew up the farmhouse. But that wasn't enough. He secretly planted explosives at the school and at nine forty five the dynamite was detonated in the north wing of the school. An alarm clock was used to trigger the explosion. 30 minutes later, Kehoe, who had driven his truck, which was filled with explosives to the school, set up another bomb, killing the school superintendent, three others, and himself. Police later discovered 500 pounds of dynamite in the south wing of the building. Only a short circuit of the wiring kept the tragedy from being far worse. A total of 45 people were killed and another 58 injured. A quarter of the children in the town were among the dead. The killings made national headlines, and newspaper tried to make sense of the tragedy, and Kehoe was deemed insane, demented, or was a madman, but there was little actual understanding of mental illness at that point. Some reports suggested prior head injuries may have disrupted his thinking, but in the days before the 24-hour news cycle, the story didn't hold the attention of readers. Two days later, Charles Lindbergh successfully completed his first ever non-stop flight, and the bombing was no longer front page news. So remember that it's it's not about the gun; it's about the attacker. The attacker is the weapon. What's between his ears is is the capacity. Thirty-eight children, thirty-eight children, blown up, detonated. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. In the 21st century, the handgun has become the preeminent self-defense tool. At CH Precision, we specialize in taking your weapon to the highest degree of functionality possible. With a complete array of goods and services specializing in red dot sight installation, CH Precision will help you realize the most effective handgun the first time. If you need slide milling, installation, or accessories, go to chpws.com.
0: CH Precision. Welcome to the Boom Squad. At
1: Chambers Custom, we have one job. Welcome back. This is Lock and Load.
0: This portion of the show
1: is brought to you by Aero Precision. Calm. Recently, formerly Democratic Representative Tricia Cotham got a lesson in Solovinsky's rules and the methods of means and ends, as well as a couple of his 13 rules for radicals, for good measure. Of means and ends, Solovinsky said the classic question of whether ends justify means is meaningless. The real and only question regarding the ethics of means and ends is, and always has been, does this particular end justify this particular means? In war, the end justifies almost any means, and all of life is warfare. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Now, Trisha Cotham was one of three Democrats who failed to vote when Republicans overrode North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper's veto, A pro-gun Senate Bill 41 and already at odds with her caucus, she found herself on the receiving end of leftist threats on social media and elsewhere. She was ostracized by her own Democrat caucus and harassed in public places with her child. Even her minor children were targeted by leftist political operatives. At a press conference, she asked, what happened to the concept of a big tent party? What happened to these ideas that we're inclusive, we're tolerant, we're so welcoming to everybody? No, you're not. You see, Representative Cotham had offended the cabal of Democrat leftists so indoctrinated with a lynch flexible uh, ethics that they will viciously eat their own. And I think I'm speaking metaphorically there. And like so many other mainstream Americans, Tricia wasn't prepared. And why not? Well, because unlike her tormentors, Trisha Cotham's mainstream America values make it difficult for her to anticipate, especially from Democrat colleagues, the level of duplicity, hypocrisy, indoctrination, viciousness, and despotism the left is willing to use to destroy nonconformists. But Trisha gets it now. And that's why Trisha changed her affiliation to Republican. Now, if you want to understand how ostensible comrades immediately devolve into jackal packs, let's look at the Alinsky rules by applying the transitive law of logic that is A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. And it goes like this. We assume the question of whatever ends justify means is meaningless. Then the only question is, does this particular end justify this particular means that in war... The end justifies almost any means, and finally that all life is warfare. The logical conclusion becomes, in life, almost any means are justified. Hence, a leftist feels quite comfortable wielding almost any means at any time for any desired end, however barbarous those means and ends may be. Although, it cannot violate the rule of nature, which is for every action, there is an equal but opposite reaction. So on Wednesday, a somewhat wiser Trisha Cotham stood before a GOP press conference, where she eloquently rejected both means and ends of her former party, saying, "This modern-day Democratic Party has become unrecognizable to me, and to so many others across the state and this country. The party wants to villainize anyone with free thought, free judgment." And if you don't do exactly what the Democrats want you to do, they will try to bully you. They will try to cast you aside. As she described, receiving threats, advocating violence via social media and elsewhere, including having to maintain composure while being cursed out in a Target store with her child. Cotham says the deal breaker in changing parties was getting criticized for using the American flag and praying hands emoji on social media platforms and vehicles, but I'm putting my money on escape from leftist control freaks. She said, it became very clear to me early on in January that you better vote in line with everything Governor Cooper tells you to do. All of this sense of control, I will not be controlled by anyone. So because her defection gave Republicans a true veto-proof supermajority leftist and media, but you know, now I'm repeating myself, wailed and gnashed with labels like fascist and traitor and deceiver and betrayer, using used to justify demands that she resign, die, or give back campaign donations. (laughs) And what Cotham fled is a deliberate process applied by the left to force conformity and compliance. Leftists are having a similar tantrum in Tennessee, albeit aimed at Republicans rather than than their own. Tennessee, how did House Democrats pushing gun control respond when faced with the Republican supermajority? Well, they brought about chaos. And specifically, three House Democrats joined gun control protesters who invaded the chamber three days after the Nashville shootings. Does any of that sound familiar to you? And they even took turns on a bullhorn, obstructing House business in blatant legislative ethics and procedures violations. And yet, the three, Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, and Gloria Johnson, were shocked. To discover they were being punished by leadership and that under chamber rules, expulsion from the House could be the penalty. Then on the news, (laughs) which, hey, I'm willing to play by those rules, but I'm going to apply it my way as well. We get two young blackmakers right now being politically lynched by the white supermajority Republican legislature. And then more chaos ensued. And uh, Representative Justin Jones, shortly before being expelled by them, he said, when I walked up to this well on last Thursday, I was thinking about the thousands of students who were outside demanding that we do something. In fact, many of their signs said do something. That was our only ask of us to respond to their grief, to respond to a traumatized community. But in response to that, the first action of this body is to expel members for calling for common sense gun legislation. Did you get that? Did you understand what just happened? That's the magic trick there. Uh, the sleight of hand, the deception. What, what he had up his sleeve is Alinsky's 10th rule of the methods of means and ends, which says you do what you can with what you have and clothe it with moral garments. And that's the scam Be- beneath these moral garments is the guy who created so much chaos that Tennessee Tennessee legislators were unable to debate policies for which the voters elected them to do. And in truth, Jones undermined the will of the voters who elected a Republican supermajority. But when Jones' bill came due, the issue suddenly became all about you. You're the one who must excuse his deliberate chaos. You're the one who must accept his fallacy that disarming lawful citizens is going to reduce crime. And you're the one who must compromise your freedoms. And when that compromise inevitably fails, whose fault is that? Yours, of course, because you allowed them to do it. And now we already we, we we've already seen this. The the speaker of the house in Tennessee has allowed Jones back in. He should he should well, you know I, I think the Nashville some Nashville committee voted him back in or whatever, and that's and that's fine. That's fine, but I mean, dude's going to have to we we un, we exist under the rule of law. And if we're not going to and right now, you know, while he's out there clothing himself in the moral garments of being I'm black and they're coming after me, it's a it's a it's a it's a political lynching. Uh, right now the left is going after Clarence Thomas, the only black guy that sits on the Supreme Court. And that's different. That's different altogether. Uh, that, you know, because he's bad. He's, he, he's conservative. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's, that's just, that's just funny to me. Well, it's not funny. It's actually infuriating to me. Let, let, let me put, let me give the, give, give the uh, credit where it is due. But that's what happens. You take somebody like that, uh, like Trisha Cotham, who had free thought, critical thought, and she looked at where she was and she said, I'm out. And that's how a Democrat becomes a Republican. She'll probably be a very staunch Republican. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. is lock and load. This portion of the show is brought to you by Aero Precision.
0: For over 25 years, Aero Precision has paved the way as a leading manufacturer of American-made AR parts. Aero Precision caters to the rifle builder by engineering quality receivers, hand guards, and other essential parts. Aero Precision's added enhancements create a smooth build process from start to finish for beginners and seasoned builders. Whether this is your first rifle or your 50th, Aero Precision offers everything you need to make a quality AR at an affordable price.
1: Check them out at aeroprecisionusa.com. Right now, there's a Rasmussen survey out there that reveals that 60% of likely U.S. voters think violent crime is on the rise. Although the percentage is actually down two points from October 2022. And that's probably coming to us as a surprise to the Council on Criminal Justice, which reported in January that violent crime actually declined last year, with homicides down 4% from 2021, aggravated assault down 3.5%, and assaults involving firearms down 7%. And there's some things that are still going on. They're still trying to defund the police. They're still trying to decriminalize crime. So gun sales are apparently continuing at a level more than 1 million a month based on a national instant check system data adjusted by the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Last month there were 3,036,667 initiated background checks in March but they do an adjustment reflecting more closely the number of checks initiated that actually involves a firearm transaction. So the estimate for March is 1.56 million, which is a 6.8% decline compared to March 2022 of 1.67 million. Still, March was the 44th consecutive month with the adjusted background check number exceeded 1 million. So we're talking in excess of 50 million guns. And that's impressive. That's, a, you know, we're talking about going on four years now. Police manpower has declined in some cities. Most of the major cities. Most of the major cities are getting hollowed out. And that may be one contributing factor to the continued gun sales, because what do we see? We see all of the crime coming out of the big cities. Some of us don't live in a big city. So, you know, we're just sitting here going, well, it's not going to happen here. I agree with you. It shouldn't happen here. But, you know... Uh, Let's see. People are taking more responsibility for their own safety. Stories involving defensive gun use by private citizens are being reported more widely. It used to be we thought that the percentage of people that actually pulled a trigger was less than 5%. And now it's around 18%. Like the shooting of a suspected car thief in San Antonio, Texas by the vehicle's owner several days ago, has apparently made news all over the world, according to thegunmag.com. Now, according to Rasmussen, 77% of Republicans, 40% of identified Democrats, and 63% of independent voters believe the problem of violent crime in America is getting worse. On the other hand, Rasmussen says 30% of Democrats, 12% of Republicans, and 10% of unaffiliated voters think the crime problem is getting better. The survey was conducted March 27th through the 29th with a margin of sampling error plus or minus three with a 95% level of confidence. Numbers are almost evenly split when it comes to the public's perception of how Joe Biden is handling crime issues with 42% giving a poor rating 41% saying he's doing a good job to excellent on crime and law enforcement issues. Now, while violent crime was down last year, could a contributing factor in the public perception be media sensationalism, you know, sensationalizing all of this violent crime? Every time we have a rampage shooting right now, which is still overwhelmingly rare, as many as we're having, um, they're they're already you know they've already got something in the chamber and they're coming at us you know they're ready to exploit it at any time. Gun rights groups respond, including the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms, which said the country doesn't have a gun crisis, but a mental health crisis. And we do most of these people now. It, we we have a must issue made up sexual status. Uh, all of, a lot of these latest rampage shooters. With the exception of the Louisville shooter, they they all are, they have some sort of thing, some question about gender. So that means they're probably on drugs. And if they're trying to transition, that means they're probably on hormones, too. So they have drugs and hormones going on. And what are we expecting out of these young people? They've, they've just come out of the public education system. They were locked down for two years during the COVID lockdown. And what do we expect out of them? They're crazy. In a lot of cases, they're crazy. And while anti-gunners want to spend tens of millions of dollars over the next five years to allow CDC to, quote, study the issue, end quote, they call for Congress to spend the money more wisely by using it to help make schools hard targets. Alan Alan Gottlieb of the CCRKBA called the research proposal to be a boondoggle, which would only and predictably conclude with recommendations for stricter gun laws and a call for additional research. Why spend five years on unpredictable research, which we all know will ultimately recommend more research. It translates to job perpetuation for bureaucrats who do nothing while the schools remain vulnerable soft targets, which is absolutely true. And, uh, A lot of people have been reminding the public that Congress, state legislatures, and various government buildings are all protected by armed security. same strategy should be restored to schools, where far-left officials have ended school resource officer programs in many areas. Meanwhile, something of a microcosm is found in Washington State, where KOMO News is reporting a dramatic increase in road raid shootings across the state. Uh, In 2018, they logged 465 incidents of road rage gunfire, and last year there were 1,058. Now, the number of active Evergreen State concealed pistol licenses is hovering around 698,000, indicating a fairly intense public safety concern. And the World Population Review has listed Washington in uh, the top ten of states with the highest crime rates. Washington comes in at number eight, neighboring Oregon is at number ten. Both states have in recent years adopted what many consider our extremist gun control laws, some of which are currently being challenged in court. Obviously, say the Washington gun rights activists, none of these gun control laws are working as promised. Before we go away, we get this. This is an op-ed by some cat named Rod Watson. Rod is a confused gun owner. He owns an AR-15. But he's convinced it's going to be taken. Not today, maybe not next week, but probably not even next year. But eventually it's going to happen. Or at the very least, they will stop me and others from buying another one. And when that happens, I won't blame just my gun-controlling political enemies. This is his writings. Instead, I will also blame allies in the gun rights community who will make it possible by laying the groundwork for the George Floyd-like tipping point that inevitably will come. Just as Floyd's death inexplicably catalyzed a movement. In a way no prior videotape police murders had done, a large-scale killing with a semi-automatic rifle will do the same for the gun ban movement. Now, granted, if the mass murders of those we claim to cherish most, senior citizens in a Buffalo supermarket, or babies in Newtown, Uvalde, and now Nashville, didn't spur significant action, it might be hard to imagine what will. But, two possibilities come to mind. Emergency room doctors have long to describe the greater damage the typical AR-15 round, with its velocity and tumbling or yawing trajectory, does inside the body. So how long will it be before the gelatin cube is turned into a child-sized gelatin mannequin with blue eyes and blonde hair, our preferred standard of innocence, and ripped apart on national television? Even more impactful, how long will it be before some distraught parent, irate and seeing no option after years of inaction? does what Emmett Till's mother did when she reached a similar breaking point in the fight for racial justice. An open casket with the obliterated head or body of a child struck by a round with, from an AR-style rifle, or even just the photographs, will unalterably shift the political debate. Already Gallup polling over the years has consistently shown large majorities favoring background checks for all-gun sales. And, uh, you know... You know, even for a 30-day waiting period to buy a gun, which is extreme. A slimmer majority favored banning magazines. But when asked in 2013, again in 2018, specifically about preventing school shootings, solid the majorities favored focusing more on school security and mental health solutions than on changing laws dealing with gun and ammunition. See, the problem here, as I see it with this uh, gent, old Rod Watson, is uh, both racial and his perspective is all wrong, but you know, some of us know what that looks like, Rod. So, so thanks, thanks for that, thanks for that idea. You probably, I'm not going there. You know what? We'll be right back. This is lock and load.